Hi friends, it's good to be back with you. Uh, we, uh, we definitely enjoyed our vacation and are so thankful that we were able to go. Um, and as you know, the world is a little bit different uh, this week than it was even a week and a half ago or so. Um, but that hasn't changed uh, who we are called to be as a church. Um, for us, uh, we at the table, uh, we are building a deeper relationship with God in, in everything that we do. That's what we strive to do is try to get closer to God. But there's another side to that, and that is um, to build a deeper relationship with the people around us. Um, and so uh, we've said it several times here at the table that we, we love our neighbors. And when our neighbors are hurting, uh, we should be hurting as well. Um, so anyways, I would just ask that you uh, continue to pray uh, for our country, pray for those who are um, in, in grie grieving right now, um, those who uh, feel like they are not being heard. Um, allow us as a church to um, not just sit on the sidelines and try to s just listen to see what's going on, but that we could engage in some, um, some conversations to help build the bridge. Um, and if you're a table gatherer, you can get on the table gatherers Facebook side of things and uh, see a post that I put that had some additional information on that for you. Uh, but anyway, tonight we're going to jump back into uh, this is the church because that's who we are. We're still the church, uh, no matter uh, what happens um, with a pandemic or no matter what happens um, with uh, people expressing their concerns. Uh, no matter uh, how bad people are in the world, um, when they uh, treat somebody um, terribly, uh, we are still the church, and we must bring the light of the world into the darkest places. And so today, uh, week 16 of This is the Church, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 16. So here we go. It says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport or Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. 
One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive pur purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see that the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. All right. Well, uh... For those of you who grew up going to church or going to youth group, uh, did you ever happen to find yourself in a situation at church or at a church function uh, where you did something uh, that you would not approve of your kids doing? <laughs> okay, so uh, for me, I remember one particular uh, state youth convention. I don't remember how old I was. I was probably 12 or 13. Um, 
but uh, my mom took our youth group to youth convention, and uh, when we went to youth convention, there weren't any other adult leaders besides my mom going, and uh, so what that meant for us guys was that uh, we got to stay in a room with no adult chaperone. And um, one particular evening, uh, we had the opportunity to skip out on the late night concert, and we decided to go back to our room and uh, hold a gigantic uh, Royal Rumble in that room. And so in the middle of, uh, you know, probably 9.30, 10, uh, 10.30, something like that, um, here there's at least four of us, I remember for sure, it was me and my brother, and uh, uh, Another set of brothers, uh, their names were Andy and Peter. <laughs> so we had John, Joel, Andy, and Peter, all biblical names, okay? All biblical names. We were in that hotel room, and we were wrestling, okay? Uh, we were uh, uh, clotheslining each other. Uh, we, we were uh, jumping up and down on the beds, and we were body slamming each other on these beds. And so naturally, I was I was the littlest of the group, so I took the most... Uh, slams um, into the beds, but it was pretty funny to see the big boys slam each other on those beds. So it turns out beds aren't made for uh, WWE wrestling. Um, so, uh, you know, by the time we were done, uh, both of the beds were flat on the ground with the box springs crumpled up underneath them. Um, you know, I'd be so embarrassed today if my kids destroyed anyone else's property, much less uh, I'd be really nervous about uh, someone getting hurt and going to the hospital. I'd probably be no more nervous about the destructive property thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, some things in my past have taught me how to live in the future. So, for instance, I now know that I can't have any more wrestling matches in hotel rooms. <laughs> All right. Um, but just like some things in the past have taught me, also some people in my past have taught me how to live in the future. Um, as some of you know, I'm in the uh, handyman business, um, but I didn't just uh, fall into uh, that line of work. Um, you see, there were people along the way who helped me gain the knowledge uh, of what I do today. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go down a list here and uh, just recognize some people in my life, and um, you can kind of see how it all fits in here in a minute. But uh, when I was 16, I was asked by my uncle uh, if I wanted to help him uh, during a summer to come and help him with his finished carpentry business. And so I said yes. Uh, so the first uh, part of the summer, I went down or up to uh, Rockford, Illinois, and uh, helped my uncle uh, with trim carpentry. Now there, I learned the very valuable, important lesson, um, how to read a tape measure accurately. You see, because if you uh, don't read a tape measure accurately, especially in the trim carpentry business, uh, you can ruin some expensive wood pretty quick. If you cut it too short, it doesn't fit, and you have to have a new piece. And so anyway, uh, that was one of the lessons that I learned there. So I didn't want to spend all my summer there. Uh, I kind of missed some of my friends and stuff, so I moved, went back home for the rest of the summer. Um, and when I got home, uh, there was a friend from church. Uh, he was um, in his early 20s, and uh, I was still I was 16. And he asked me if I wanted to work with him and his dad. Uh, his dad owned a, a house framing business. And I said yes. And uh, so it sounded, sounded fun. 
so there I learned how to uh, build houses um, for the next, I think it was the next three summers I worked with Brad and his dad. Um, and uh, they did everything in teamwork. So um, I learned how to build houses in a team, how to have a partner, how to, you know, how, how to help each other along in the house building process. And so that was pretty neat. I learned how to do that. Well, a little bit further down the road, uh, Amanda and I were getting married, but she was going to college at, in Branson, and we needed to move somewhere closer um, to her college. Uh, so we ended up moving to Springfield. And when I moved there, I, uh, I found a position in the newspaper for Framing Carpenter and uh, was hired on by a guy named Chris Frost. And uh, Chris taught me how to build a house by myself. Um, you see, we didn't do anything together, practically. It was all, you have that side of the house, and I have this side of the house. You go over there and build, and I'll go over here and build. And um, he taught me how to be independent in my work on, and how to do pretty much anything um, by myself, including lifting heavy beams and all these kind of things. Um, so it, that was another uh, aspect of somebody mentoring me and teaching me something new. Uh, see, then over the next several years, uh, while serving as a youth pastor, um, I began to do things around my house uh, that I didn't know how to do initially, but because of asking people, going to the library, getting books, or getting on YouTube, I could figure some of these things out. And so that was like siding my house and uh, um, oh, just a, a bunch of different things, um, laying floor, those kind of things. Um, so anyways, uh, so that was part of it, just uh, natural do-it-yourself kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, when we moved up here, I had a little bit of a stint with the Carpenters Union, didn't learn uh, very much there, um, but I ended up uh, getting hired on at Missouri Baptist Children's Home, and uh, it was there that um, all you know Doug Carey and um, another guy named Craig Freeman uh, really invested in me and, and taught me some new things that I didn't really know much about. Um, and so I was able to pick up on some of those things and, and learn um, more of the process of little fixits and installations and all those, all those things that go along with that. So um, today, if it wasn't uh, necessary to have all the licenses and such, um, I could say that I give me the materials and I could build you a house or a building from the ground up um, from start to completion. I could dig the hole. I could uh, run the plumbing. Um, I could pour the foundation. Uh, I could build the walls. I could run the electric. I could uh, put the, the rafters and the joists on and I could uh, put, the, um, put the shingles on. Uh, you know, I, I could do all of those things. Um, so I, I've learned something in my life, <laughs> all right? But I didn't learn it on my own. I didn't get here on my own. I had people along the way that invested in me. And so the same thing is true in my spiritual walk. The same thing is true in my spiritual walk. Um, I had people along the way that invested in me um, starting with, my parents, they invested in my spiritual walk. Um, and then, you know, my parents, they took me to church. Uh, my dad was a pastor most of the time. And because of that, I went to Sunday school every week. And so um, I, my dad was not ever my Sunday school teacher. So I was able to learn 
from different people teaching me at Sunday school, people that invested in me. All right. And then um, as I got older and got into youth ministry age, there was really a group of people at the church that, that I was in um, that, that rallied around me and kind of helped um, stir a passion for God and uh, just help me get through life issues and those kind of things. Um, so uh, people like John and Gayla Johnson, who were not only my Sunday school teachers, um, but also John uh, personally took time to take me fishing. Um, to, we'd go out in the woods and, and, and cut wood, and, and we would hang out and, and do different things together. Um, so he, and he would just ask me Jesus questions. Uh, you know, what, what do you think Jesus would think about that? Or, or how are things going in your spiritual walk or, you know, those, those kind of things. So I uh, really appreciated John and Gala. And then uh, Brad Boat, again, the guy uh, who hooked me up with the job with his dad, um, him and his wife, Haida, uh, invested a lot of time in me as well. Um, and then Danny and Natalie Gregory, who went, later went on to become missionaries, uh, they, they invested a lot of time in uh, young John Simmons. And then uh, Carol and Ira Parrott, Carol was one of my Sunday school teachers, and um, just uh, invited us over to her house to play cards and uh, just hang out with the family. And uh, that was that was, really meant a lot to me at a young age. But anyway, today, when we're talking about this is the church, um, the question that we're going to be asking is, is who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Uh, we're not going to tackle this entire chapter of Acts chapter 16 because I feel like I have preached on Paul and Silas in the prison thing at least 16 times uh, since the founding of the table. So it probably isn't really been 16 times, but it feels like it's been 16 times. So I'm not going to touch on that today. I'm sure there are several uh, Acts 16 references in some of the former sermons that you can go back and listen to if you want to dig into my thoughts on the end of Acts chapter 16. But today I really want to focus on the beginning of Acts chapter 16, um, one, because I can keep it brief, and two, because it's probably uh, the most, uh, you know, one of the most impactful things in Scripture, and you'll see why here in a minute. But here, um, chapter 16, we're going to read the first few verses again so that we can kind of get refreshed on where we're going with this. So uh, chapter 16, verse 1, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Okay, so first of all, here we see uh, this is the very beginning of, of Paul and Silas's missionary journey. And what do they do first off the bat? They find someone who can go with them on their journey. You see, Paul was in a place um, where he could find someone to invest in. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about finding people who are younger than you that you can invest in your time into so that you can strengthen their spiritual walk. And Paul, uh, he went, him and Silas went and they found Timothy. They weren't sitting at home waiting for Timothy to come to them. 
they had to go to a place to find Timothy. So let me just clarify. Timothy didn't find Paul. Paul found Timothy. So if you are waiting on somebody to mentor to find you and ask you to mentor them, uh, you are waiting around too long. You have got to find somebody that you can invest in. You have to find them. They're not going to find you. All right. So uh, that's the first take that I want you to get on this. Uh, the second take is this. Uh, Paul didn't just invest in Timothy where he was. He took Timothy with him on his journey. All right. So Paul didn't just go to Timothy and say, hey, Timothy, I'm here for you. I'm going to invest you know, some time into you and then I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. Nope. He said, all right, Timothy, come with us and do ministry with us. It was a hands-on experience. It was a uh, not just a, 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 a book knowledge. It was an actual, here is how you do ministry knowledge. And so I don't know about you, um, but it's, it's hard sometimes to do ministry by yourself because God did not want us to do ministry by ourselves. I mean, if he did, he would only have one disciple. Go out and do it. <laughs> no, he had 12. He had 12 disciples. And, um, you know, so, and, and Paul didn't ever really do ministry by himself. He had all kinds of people around him constantly. And so that's just the challenge uh, for the church in today's society is that sometimes you have people who want to be lone rangers and go out and do ministry by themselves, but uh, it, it can't be done that way. Um, ministry is not a lone ranger. Uh, ministry is a team approach. And so um, Paul didn't just invest in Timothy where he was and teach him and then move on. No. He took Timothy with him into other ministry opportunities and showed him how to do ministry. And the third thing I just want to pull out here real quick is that um, what happens uh, when there are additional hands in the ministry is that there is additional production for the kingdom. Uh, you see, uh, verse 5 says, So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. These were the churches that Paul and Silas and Timothy now went to and invested in. Uh, because there was an additional person to invest, there was an, an additional return on the investment. Ooh, that's good. Uh, somebody should tweet that. <laughs> Anyways, um, I just want to just kind of pull those things out for you today uh, because uh, here's the question for you. Uh, do you find yourself in a place where you could find someone to invest in? Or when you're there, are you looking for someone to invest in? Or if you are there, are you only investing in them there? Or are you showing them how to do ministry elsewhere? Now we're getting deep. Now we're getting difficult. All right. Now we're actually asking you to sacrifice time. Yes. <laughs> and, and the result of you investing in someone else is not just for them, but it is for the expansion of the kingdom. Now, that's something incredible to think about. Kingdom expansion happens when we invest in other people's lives, especially when we invest in the discipleship of young Christians. All right? 
So I uh, just want to uh, pull some things out here. Um, they're kind of random and scatterbrained, kind of like it's just what I do when I get back from vacation. It's just what I am right now. So anyways, um, I just want you to think about this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got a call from Lou Mincer, who um, said, hey, I've got this idea that I want to start doing. I want to start uh, just investing in the kids uh, at the table. So if you could just hook me up with their um, birthdays um, and addresses, then I will send them birthday cards um, every, every birthday, um, from here on out. And I thought that was incredible. I thought, uh, that was a great idea. I know some of you have done that in the past. Um, but just Lou being willing to, to step up and, and send those cards or even having the idea and not even only having the idea, but, um, you know, taking steps to make that happen. Um, that has been, uh, that was, that's incredible to me. Um, a, a couple years ago, um, Bill Carey and Doug, um, invested in my kids uh, by taking them to the prologue room at uh, the the Boeing place, all right, uh, the old McDonnell Douglas, um, and and there the prologue room is this incredible place um, that that has like these models of um, all of the airplanes and things that they had built over the years, and uh, some of the things uh, were things that that Bill and Doug both worked on uh, when they worked there. So it was really cool for them to say. Hey, this is how this is wor this worked, or or this is really cool over here because of this. Uh, I just thought that was incredible of, of those guys investing in my kids. I really appreciated that. Um, you know, and some several of you around here um, have served in the children's ministry and in the nursery ministry, um, investing in the next younger generation. Um, you know, I know that this is going to look different a little bit um, for a while. Um, but I want you to begin thinking about how you can have a meaningful connection with those kids and those students now. Uh, you know, is it a, a phone call? Is it a text? You know, whatever it is. Uh, can, you, can you reach out to those people that you were previously serving before just to say, hey, you're thinking about them or whatever it is and be ready to be geared up uh, to jump back in to those ministries uh, when we start meeting in person again. Um, another thing that I'd like to point out is... Um, you know, Paul and Silas saw something in Timothy. Um, they they saw some potential in in that guy. And and one of the things that I I love about um, all of these kids around here at the table is you can see the potential just just oozing out of them. I mean, they are incredible kids. Um, but the the question is, is do, do we acknowledge that? Like, do we say, wow, uh, you know? A couple, you know, we did our uh, uh, grandparents' day uh, last September, and it was like, wow, Brooke and Leah, you guys are incredible dancers. That that was awesome. Or or Clay and Abby, you guys are incredible singers and musicians, or whatever it is. And the the Springer girls, they are incredible athletes. Let me tell you, I have seen them do some really uh, incredible things. They are they are really good athletes. And then you've got um, you know Eli who. Um, you know, is a, is a really good soccer player. Uh, he can skateboard all over the place. Um, I mean, uh, those, those things um, are, are things that we can look at and point out, and it's really cool to see, like, how these babies' personalities are developing right now. Even just the little, the little steps that they are taking uh, just to say, man, that is incredible. How can we encourage, how can we encourage our kids? Um, so I just want to kind of go down a list here. I'm almost done of how can you invest in others. Um, so first of all, if you see talent, point it out and encourage it. Say, hey man, that or girl, <laughs> that's awesome. 
All right, um, you can make a phone call or type a text to just say, hey, praying for you guys today. Um, you can take someone out to lunch, whether it's a, a kid or just somebody who is younger than you, um, maybe younger in the faith than you. You can take someone out to lunch and say, hey, uh, how are things going in your spiritual walk? How can I be praying for you? You know, you can share your story with somebody. You can say, hey, here's what I've lived through. Here's how God has brought me through that. Here's where Jesus has intersected with my story. Um, you can even start a Bible study with somebody. Um, you know, uh, maybe you could just take someone fishing. Uh, that's what it took for me. You just take someone fishing. Um, or maybe any, even like Paul did with Timothy, you can ask someone to serve with you. Whenever you're doing something that is kingdom-minded, you can ask somebody to do it with you. If you are going to, even this, if you are going to support a cause, um, you know, support a ministry, maybe you could ask somebody to support that ministry with you and why they should be supporting that ministry. Um, just just some things, uh, serving in the kids' ministry. Ask somebody serving in the kids' ministry with you. If we've got a work day at the church, you see people who, some people don't come to our work days. You could say, hey, come to our work day. I need some help with this project. And uh, you can get them involved that way. But one of the things that is really cool about Timothy is that Timothy didn't just always hang out with Paul and Silas. He didn't die hanging out with Paul and Silas. No. Uh, Timothy actually became a pastor of a church. And uh, you can see in the Bible, First and Second Timothy, those letters were written to Timothy while he was pastoring. And they are really deep and meaningful. Uh, deep and meaningful letters, letters from a mentor to a mentee, somebody who is now passing on knowledge of Christ to somebody else. And you can just tell that, that Paul really cares deeply about Timothy um, through the relationship that they initially built in doing that first, uh, well, Paul's second mission, missionary journey together, but Timothy's first. So who can you invest in? Um, this is the church. This is what makes the church possible, not only now, but it's what makes the church possible in 10 years from now, is when we invest in other people, when we invest in younger Christians, when we invest in younger leaders, um, that is what makes that is what will make the church possible in the next 10 years. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everything you have given us and provided to us. God, we thank you for um, trusting us with the next generation of leaders that, is, that are all um, around us in our church. We pray that we wouldn't drop the ball with them, that we would be able to invest in them wisely. Uh, we thank you so much. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, as you can tell, Avengers hat, uh, Avengers season is, is quickly approaching us. Uh, we're supposed to be getting the schedules out here soon, and we will let you know the dates of the games where you can come and cheer on the Avengers sponsored by the Table Church.